This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Focus Leader One Day Intensive. Focus your achievement with clear goals and smarter productivity. Find out more at lead2.win slash focused leader. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're going to be talking about something that needs demystification. Is that a word? I don't know, but it definitely describes the feeling. Yeah. So this stumps a lot of leaders. A lot of them have difficulty getting it right. And we're talking about developing a clear vision for your organization. Well, I've got to start with some bad news. Okay. This is maybe the worst way to start a podcast, but I'm committed to honesty. All right. Your vision for your company is not going to show up in a FedEx envelope at your front porch. What? There will not be an envelope where you just pull out this magical couple of pieces of paper that, you know, casts a vision for the future and says all the important things and you're just ready to go. Yeah, I think sometimes we think that, you know, we have to go off and and sit in a remote, beautiful place, light some incense and candles and get really passive in a receptive mode and somehow it's going to be revealed to us. No, it looks a lot more like blood, sweat and tears. It's hard work. And I think that the misconception that this is something that will just happen for you or you should just already know it makes us feel bewildered and frustrated and like we're failing um, and like we don't even want to try to create a vision because either you are a magical visionary leader, one of those people, you know, that just this comes easily to those people. They already have it. They they see the future clearly. They're going toward it or it doesn't. And you probably feel like you're one of those people that it it does not come naturally to. And therefore, you're just going to double down and work hard and maybe the vision will take care of itself. Well, and our premise for the show is that everybody can be a visionary leader. In fact, it's an it's an essential part of being a leader today. You've got to be visionary. It's not easy, but we're going to make it easier, and we're going to make it a whole lot easier by bringing Larry into this conversation. Because what a great segue! I know he always makes it easier because he guides the conversation. So, Larry, welcome. Hey, Larry. Hey, very nice to be here with you. Uh, I have a question yeah. about mission and vision because I've heard these words a lot uh, over the last. Two decades, probably. What's the difference between mission and vision? Like, if I have a mission statement, is that the same as a vision? Nope. Sadly, no. Um, But this does get really confusing, and it's important to have clarity about the distinction between these two things. So your mission is about now. It's not about the future. It's about now. And in, in some ways, it's kind of about always who you are. It's about who you are. It's about who your customer is. It's about how you serve them. And your mission is something that's often pithy, that you could fit on a t-shirt or a tagline on your website. It doesn't change, you know, or if it does, it's it's rare that it changes. I mean, it's kind of like the thing that's always there that, that you come back to and remember who you are. Yeah. So our mission... Here at Michael Hyde and Company, just to give an example, uh, our mission is to help successful but overwhelmed leaders get the focus they need to win at work and succeed at life. Well, we actually did put that on a t-shirt. We did? Yeah. We did at our last <laughs> team training. <laughs> yeah, Somehow I've I missed a, that. I've got a t-shirt at home that says, win at work and succeed at life. Yeah. And sometimes you would take a portion of the mission statement like we did there and turn that into your company 
motto or slogan. And that's become sort of the defining thing of what we do. But that's not what vision is about. Megan, you want to talk about vision? Yeah. I mean, your vision is about the future. It's about where you're going. And it's really standing in the future and articulating what your business is going to look like in three to five years. And I think this is where leaders often miss it. Because usually you have a mission. I mean, you got into business, you craft a mission, it doesn't seem that difficult. But the vision part of it, to get clear on what you want and to make a decision about what you want is much more difficult. So the very first business I ever started, I started with a very good friend of mine, Robert Walgamuth. We're still very good friends to this day. We started a business called Walgamuth and Hyatt, and it was a publishing business. And that business took off like a rocket. You know, we had this mission that we were going to publish the books that other publishers should be publishing, but didn't have the courage or the vision or whatever. We we're going to give those books life. And our company took off. We went from zero to about $5 million in annual sales, which doesn't seem like that much now, but in the day, that seemed like a huge amount. But in the course of about three years, we went to, to $5 million. And that was in the early 80s. Early 80s. And we, the problem was we didn't have a clear vision so there was no filter on what we did. We did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We were doing uh, adult trade books, you know, just the normal books that you'd buy in a bookstore for adults. We were doing children's books. We even did a big, giant, complex Bible project, which no publisher our size should have ever gotten involved in. But we had never gotten clear on what it was that we wanted to be uh, when the project was done or when the book company was finally built. And as a result of that, we ended up going essentially bankrupt. And I think it really traces back to a lack of vision. Hmm. I've never heard you say it that way. That's so interesting. Yeah. So you knew what you wanted to do, publish good books, but no real idea of where that was going to take you, how you were going to shape the world through that, or what the future would look like. Yeah, we kind of had this idea that we wanted to be successful, we wanted to have impact and all of that, but the specificity of the vision just wasn't there. If we had had that, it really would have guided our decision-making. It would have guided the opportunities that we said yes to and those that we said no to, but we really didn't have that. It would have guided the relationships we got into. And, in, and it, as it turns out, it was getting into a very bad distribution relationship that was our undoing. So you knew why you existed, but you didn't know where you were going. That's it. So before we go too much further, We've got a resource that I think is going to be helpful to you guys as you think about issues of vision and mission here at the start of the year. It's called Three Strategic Missteps to Avoid in 2020, and it's designed to help you avoid a major misstep this year. Again, that's Three Strategic Missteps to Avoid in 2020. You can get it free right now at lead2.win slash pitfalls. Very good, Michael. And we'll put a link on the show notes to this episode as well, so you can grab it. Let's get to the four steps to clarifying your vision. And step one, set aside the how. This is big because so many leaders get hung up right here. They, they are not even out of the starting gate and they're stuck on the how because this is debilitating if you start thinking about it. So maybe start letting yourself dream a little bit. You think about the future. You think about some big goals that you want to achieve. They're going to take longer than a year. You're thinking about a better future for your customers, your team, yourself. And you intuitively know because you've probably done hard things before, this is going to be tough. And then... 
the objections start showing up. You know, you start thinking, this is going to take too long. It's going to take way more money than I have now. It's going to take way more, um, you know, social capital than I have now, way more people. And you're defeated before you even start because you get stuck in the practical, you know, how-to part of making this vision a reality. It's like you shoot yourself in the foot. So before you get started, you, to, to mix the metaphor now, you short circuit the entire process and you stop envisioning because you get stuck on this how. You can't see a path from where you are to where you want to go. And so you start discounting or dialing back the vision. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge mistake. And you've got to suspend that how thing until you get clear on what the how's not going to show up. This is a really important principle of leadership. I think that for so many leaders, you know, you you get hung up in this how and what you forget are all the times that came before that, that you had a big vision, that you had a big goal and you had no idea how you were going to accomplish it. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere in air quotes, the resources start showing up, That's right. you know, and that happens if we look back on our lives, that has happened time and time and time again. If you think about, you know, when you first became an adult and you weren't sure how you were going to pay for your apartment rent, and then somehow 10 years later, you've bought a house, you know, like that's the same in business. It's the same in our personal lives. The resources show up just kind of one thing after the other, if we just keep going. That's why you got to stay focused on clarity, Mm -hmm. getting clarity. If you get clear, the how comes after that. So getting clear and just giving yourself the space to do that. If you're leading a conversation with your team about vision and they want to run to the how, or somebody raises an objection and says, hey, there's no way we can do that. We don't have the capital, or we don't know anybody that would know how to do that, or we don't have any experience in that or whatever. Those discussions are important. I'm not discounting those. You're going to eventually have to figure out how. But not initially. You've got to get clear on what. So you've got to get those people to suspend that conversation for now for the sake of clarity. The most important thing at the get-go is to focus on the clarity. So you got to set aside the how. I've heard a question used in this context. I want to get your reaction to it. I've heard people advise you to ask this question of yourself. What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Do you mm-hmm. think that's a helpful question or is that maybe too much? No, I think it's good. Yeah. Because anything that'll open up possibility is helpful. And I think that so many things conspire in our lives to shut down possibility. Like, for example, when I went through that business failure that I was just talking about, for a long time, it was very difficult for me to think about being in business for myself because I thought, well, yeah, I have experience with that. It didn't turn out so well. So maybe I just need to take a job somewhere. And so it shut down possibility. So anything that opens up possibility, and let's be honest, the reason most people don't try big things, the reason why people don't set goals in their discomfort zone, the reason why people don't come up with big, hairy, audacious goals is because they're afraid of failure. So if you can take that off the table for the sake of just sort of a mental exercise, it's extremely helpful. Do you agree, Megan? I totally agree. I actually think this is a discipline that you have to decide on the front end. I'm just going to stand in this space, you know, and if you don't make that decision at the beginning, you'll just naturally go to all the ways that it might not work out, you know, and you'll get in your own way. And so I think that that if you think about it like a discipline, you have to hold your feet to the fire and say in your head, nope, I'm not going there. That's how I'm not going there. That's how I'll do it later. That can really help you. You know, there's a version of this that I've heard you ask, and that is, what would I do if I were brave? Yeah, absolutely. So that's just a little bit more positive way to do it. Yeah. But if I had the courage... What is it that I would attempt? And almost without fail, I would say when I've done this, and I think you would agree, 
we're still not dreaming big enough. And I don't mean that in some kind of like woo woo fluffy way. I just mean that our tendency, even when we are disciplined about this, even when we work hard to uh, kind of be in the future, which we're going to talk about in a minute, without kind of getting stuck in the how, we still are going to be smaller than what we probably have the real potential to be. You and I had this exact experience yesterday. We did. Yes. We were talking about um, our office building. And so we have a beautiful office space that we renovated a couple of years ago. It's, I mean, it's truly stunning. It feels like a boutique hotel. Um, It's a kind of a co-working space with meeting rooms and all that. You've probably seen the tour. Um, If not, I think we did a whole episode, didn't we, Larry, on this? We can put a link to that. Yeah, so you can can see it and and you'll see when you see it. It's really special. However, our teams are bigger now than what we have space for in one of our meeting rooms. So we have a, a large conference room and we now have one of our teams that has 13 people on it. In fact, yesterday they did a meeting with another one of our teams and there were over 20 people in that room. Okay, this is a conference table that has room max for 12 people. So we've outgrown it. And so we're going to have to totally redo that room just temporarily while we figure out what's next for our space needs. But the the point is that two years ago when we renovated this space, we were like, Ooh, that's really pushing that's a stretch. the limits. That's a stretch. You know, I'm not sure we're really going to need that much space. You know, it's probably really more space than we need, but we'll, we'll just, you know, we're in faith. We're just going to kind of go out on it. Well, it is about... 30% of what we need. 30% of what we need. And now we're, we're in a situation where we are going to need a much bigger office space and we're probably 18 to 24 months from having that you know, be in a place well, where it's ready to go. And so it's going to be tough. And I hate to say it, but it would have been a lot cheaper and a lot less hassle if we dream bigger on the front end. Right. But at, but what I'm saying is at the time, that was as big as we were pushing ourselves to dream that big. True. Step one in generating a clear vision, set aside the how. In other words, give yourself permission to dream a little bit and ask the questions that will inspire your thinking about the future. Let's get to step two stand in the future. This is a way to position yourself mentally using your imagination. Now, most of us, I mean, it's a great gift that God's given us to to be able to imagine the future. And unfortunately, most of us use this for a negative outcome. Uh, It's called worry. You know, we imagine all the worst things that can happen and we obsess about that. And we can get very creative about that. It can keep us awake at night and all the rest. Are you talking to me directly right now? (laughs) (laughs) I may or may not be. My number one strength is futuristic, and that definitely has a great part about it and a dark part. Well, it's true for me too, because futuristic is in my top five, Mm -hmm. and I definitely have that side of it. But what what we're really talking about is locating yourself in the future. Maybe it's one year from now, maybe it's five years from now. We typically recommend three years. For most organizations, that's about right. Beyond that, it gets too foggy. Too much change is going to happen between now and then for it to be meaningful. One year is probably too short. You know, that's kind of the the realm of goal setting. But when we're talking about vision, we recommend typically three years. But locate yourself in the future. Mentally transport yourself to that place and that time. And again, I want to encourage you to activate your imagination and take a good look around. Summon your best creative thinking. What is that better future that you want for yourself and your business? And in fact, I would say not just the better future, but the bigger, better future. What would your future look like? What does it smell like? What do you see? What could you taste? What do you hear? But just immerse yourself in that future and use all five senses. 
Yeah, this is one of those things that you will get better at the more you do it. You know, you'll feel a little goofy when you do it the first time if you haven't done this before. But after a while, you'll really become skilled at it. And you'll be able to kind of go to that place in your mind quickly. And what's amazing is when you do this, and then ultimately, you know, we're going to talk about kind of how this gets distilled down into something you can share. You are doing something that your team really can't do for themselves. You know, if you have a team, what you come up with at this stage, this dreaming is going to give meaning and purpose to their day-to-day work. It's going to inspire them. It's going to connect them to something bigger, which is a critical part of engagement, which is a critical part of retention. Um, You're going to change the culture of your company just by cultivating your ability to stand in the future and come back and ultimately tell your team about it. Well, let me ask you a question. What about people who just aren't so imaginative? They have a real difficulty envisioning the future in that literal way. Well, I think one of the things you can do is compare what you have now to what you want. So sometimes if you can't get in touch with the imagery, you can get in touch with the desire. You know, so like maybe you want a bigger company or you want more influence, or you can envision a suite of benefits that you want to make available to your employees, or you can, uh, you have a desire for certain products that you know would have an impact, you know, in the future on your clients. So I think it's not always, doesn't always have to be visual. But there, it does have to be related to desire. You know, what is it that you want? And I think everybody can get in touch with what they want. Hey, everybody. Mike Boyer here with a question for you. Are you on Instagram? If so, Michael and Megan would love to see you there. That's their current favorite social channel, and they both interact with listeners there. You can follow them at Michael Hyatt and at Megan Hyatt Miller. You'll get a peek behind the scenes as they record the podcast, launch new products, and even share some family fun. This is your very best way to keep in touch, and we hope to see you there. And now, back to the show. So step one for generating a clear vision, set aside the how. Step two, stand in the future. And step three, record what you see. Yeah, this is really where you're putting pen to paper. And you want to do this kind of like a brain dump. Okay, so you're not starting with the perspective of I'm writing this finished work. Okay, that is going to be paralyzing. You're going to want to quit before you even start. The perfectionism is going to get loud really quickly. So this is a creative stage. You want to write this down as a series of bullets rather than um, a narrative, which can feel overwhelming. Don't worry about the structure or the grammar. That is all fixable later. Um, But the goal is to just get the kind of nuts and bolts of the vision out of your head so that you have something to work with. Ultimately, you can refine it, tweak it, edit it, rearrange it, all those things. But getting it out of your head, the first draft is the hardest part. And so you want to do as little as possible to get in your own way of that. One of the things that we're not after is some short pithy, slogan-esque kind of statement. You know, because sometimes people talk about, you know, what's your vision statement? And they've somehow reduced their vision down to a sentence. That's not what we're talking Where about. Where their company is going in the next three years into, you know, five yeah. words. And I mean, there are people that do that. There are books that advocate that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We think that for a vision statement or a vision, we call it a vision script. I call that, I call this a vision script in my new book, The Vision Driven Leader, But it's something more robust than that. You know, if I'm going to build a building, I need a comprehensive set of blueprints. 
And I don't want to make this bigger than it is, but I don't want to make it smaller than it is. And it feels like an incredible burden to have to distill this vision that I have for the future, what I envision for my team and what I envision for my products and the sales and the marketing and the impact we're going to have in the world, to somehow put that into a sentence seems like an overwhelming task. You'd have to get some kind of Madison Avenue copywriter to, to, to do that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a three to four page document, but it really begins with a list, as Megan said, of bullets. Just get it out of your head. You're going to edit this later. And editing is so much easier than writing or creating. And if you're thinking to yourself, man, it'd be great if I had a template for that in your new book, The Vision Driven Leader, there is a template that will make it really easy to do this and kind of give you a really clear track to run on. And that will be out uh, in March. So it's coming up soon. Keep an eye out. We'll definitely send emails and talk about it here on the podcast when it's time. Um, But another thing that you want to keep in mind as you start writing is to write in the present tense. Now, this is a new idea for a lot of us. You would think if you're writing about the future that you're going to write in future tense, but that's not so. No, you want to write in the present tense as though it were a current reality, because that's going to help us trick our minds into feeling like we're more present to it and feeling like that it's more possible. It's also going to help you enroll your team later in a vision when they feel like it's something that that they're on board with that's already happening. It sounds a little bit like talking about yourself in third person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Larry has a question now. <laughs> Larry, Larry would like to know what this sounds like when you, when you write about your company in the future tense. Fortunately, it's not quite that weird. <laughs> yeah, here's an example. So, our business generates a million dollars a year in net income, not our business will generate one million a year in net income. So, it sounds a little bit more believable to write it in the present tense than something that's still out there. Here's another one. We have 10,000 names on our mailing list, not we'll build a mailing list of 10,000 names. Or our membership site generates $20,000 a month in recurring revenue, not our membership site will generate $20,000 a month in recurring revenue. So just take it by faith. Write it in the present tense. Again, it's going to feel more real. It's going to feel more doable. And you're going to believe it. You're going to be more likely to believe it if it's in the present tense than if it's in the future. It actually feels like it's reality. It does. And you want to make it as real as you can, because guess what? It's not real, and it's out there in the future. And you got to bring that future into the present. And one of the ways that we do that is with language. Well, let's review the steps so far to generating a clear vision. Step one, set aside the how. Step two, stand in the future. Step three, record what you see And that brings us to step four, let it simmer. I think this is good advice for just about everything in life. (laughs) You know, just let it simmer. Usually your best work is not, you know, the first pass at it. Sometimes you just have to kind of crockpot it. Let it simmer. Let it marinate. Give some space between your initial thinking and the time when you revise it. And things get better uh, when that happens. And, And in a real sense... The vision's never done. I mean, I wrote the initial vision for this company, for Michael Hyde and Company, probably seven years ago. But every year we revise it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just, as as we're recording this, we're about to do our annual team meeting and we're about to recite our vision script for the entire team, all of our employees at our annual team meeting. And there are a couple of tweaks that we've made to it. Nothing substantial, you know, this year. But the point is, it's a work in process. Well, and hopefully this helps you if you're doing this for the first time, 
to not feel the burden of perfectionism because you yes. don't have to nail it 100% the first time. You just have to see as far as you can. You have to do the best that you can and then know with certainty that you will revise it every year. Um, we did a pretty big um, revision to ours the year before this year, last year. You know, that was something we couldn't have seen in the original version. And that's fine. If you're, if you're doing business right, you ought to be evolving. There's no way that the vision stays exactly the same year to year. So that's just fine. And hopefully that frees you up to just write it and know that you can always come back and, and revise it later. Well, as you're moving through the present into the future, you're getting closer to the object that you're trying to envision. So your vision is going to, by necessity, become clearer with each passing year. But there'll be new aspects of it that aren't as clear. And so, again, it's an evolving work of art. But I think we also need to say that whenever you come up with a vision, you can't put yourself in the posture of Moses coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> You know, it's not that permanent, it's not that clear, and unlike Moses, you need the input of other humans, right? And so you've got to throw this back to your team and to to sort of position it as this is wet cement, it's preliminary, I need your feedback to make it better, and collectively, we need to make this ours. But to be clear, what you don't mean by that is, you know, you're not letting your entire team have input on the vision. It's not uh, writing by committee. You're inviting key stakeholders in. Usually, you know, if you have an executive team or a leadership team or a partner, somebody like that or somebody's like that, you know, you're going to invite those people into the conversation. You're, But you're not really ceding your authority. You're not saying right. you guys make this your own, but you do want to hear feedback and then incorporate it you know, with wisdom as you look toward finalizing it. Now, that's really just the same as any good writing process. I think the myth is that writers go off into a cabin in Vermont and produce these masterpieces. Uh, but actually, uh, there's a lot of input by editors and, mm -hmm. and other people into the writing process. Totally. And I was once in a company where the CEO came in and said to the executive team, he said, you know, um, we need a vision. Our stockholders expect us to have a vision, but it's not really my thing. And so I'm going to appoint, appoint Michael to be in charge of this, but I want you guys to come up with a vision. And then once you get it, come share it with me. <laughs> well, that doesn't really work that way. I mean, you can't de delegate the vision thing to somebody else. It needed to start with him. And then we could give input and we could end up shaping it together. But he couldn't just abdicate and neither can you. Well, today we've learned that any leader can generate a clear vision for the future by using these four steps. Step one, set aside the how. Step two, stand in the future. Step three, record what you see. And step four, let it simmer. Any final thoughts today? I think this is really doable. You know, you may be thinking right now, or you may have at least thought in the past, gosh, this seems so overwhelming. You know, maybe I'm one of those people for whom this is not my thing, you know, but this is actually a doable thing. This is something that you have inside of you already. And the task is really to get it out of your head and onto paper where you can do something with it. And I think if you kind of demystify it, if you understand that there are some simple steps to follow, you give yourself permission that it doesn't have to be perfect. You give yourself permission that it's a little bit challenging, that it's okay if it's hard, it doesn't mean anything bad about you as a leader if it's challenging. Um, you're going to get there and your company is going to be so much better for it, not to mention your future. One of the common complaints I hear from our 
business accelerator coaching clients is they're frustrated because they see with their teams a lack of alignment. There's a lot of sideways energy. They have a hard time on execution. The other thing I see is they sometimes complain about a lack of engagement. Their employees don't just seem, they just seem to be not engaged. Uh, they don't really buy into the mission and all that. All that can be cured, or at least as a prerequisite, there has to be a vision. You can't get alignment unless there's something to align toward or align with. Vision is that thing that you align the team with. It's something that gives direction to execution and to the work of today. It's also the thing that produces engagement. If people don't know what they're building and why they're building and where this whole thing is going, very difficult for them to engage. Vision can cure all that. So this is not some nice thing that would be a great ornament to hang on your business if you can get it. No, this isn't essential. This is fundamental. It's foundational. You've got to create a vision. Well, thank you both for sharing these insights. And I want to mention again for our listeners that as you're thinking about foundational things here near the start of 2020, be sure to get this free resource that Michael has created three strategic pitfalls to avoid in 2020. And that's available right now at lead2.win slash pitfalls. Larry, thanks. And thank you all for being with us today. And we'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Focus Leader One Day Intensive. Focus your achievement with clear goals and smarter productivity. Find out more at lead2.win slash focused leader.